What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show. It's myself and Jacob, and Brett is freshly back from Summer League. I think he needed a week or two to recover. His voice is finally back. We're going to do a part two of free agency coverage. Uh, We only got to do a couple teams the first time, so we are going to start it up again. And we are going to start up with, I don't know where this ranks in Brett's hierarchy of favorite teams. It might be third, might be fourth, might even be fifth. I don't know. But we're going to start off with the Boston Celtics. They definitely made some news. You heard us talk about on the last podcast about Dennis Schroeder. He signed with the Boston Celtics for the minimum uh, one year, $5.9 million taxpayer mid-level exception. He did that. And also around that same time, the Boston Celtics signed Marcus Smart to, I believe, a four-year extension, $77 million, along with signing Enos Cantor. Brett, we are going to go to you because you have been pretty bold. You are very, very high on this team. Um, you actually think they could be have a chance to be the three seed. Why don't you uh, uh, talk us through that and give us your uh, your Boston Celtics thoughts before we head on over to Jacob? Yeah, man. I mean, I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. And I don't think that's that crazy of a thing to say uh, when you think about a few different things. I think I mentioned this somewhere, like maybe in the group or on Twitter, but I think sometimes when we're sort of grading teams off seasons or forecasting for their next season, their upcoming season, we focus too much on who they brought in. And if you look at the Celtics, it's like, you know, Al Horford, Schroeder, nothing huge in that regard. But first of all, like addition by subtraction is is definitely possible. And I think the Kemba thing just was kind of a nightmare for Boston. It was never clear if he was healthy. Uh, that was very inconsistent. He had to miss a lot of time. He was playing at less than a hundred percent for sure in some playoff series. And also he is so small, um, that he's an easy target for opposing offenses to, to pick on. So I think there could be some addition by subtraction in getting rid of him, to be honest, especially at that price tag. And, also, Tristan Thompson really was pretty disappointing for the Celtics. Like, I, I almost think they got be- got better based on on who they lost. And then the other thing is you got to look at how much this team's own players are going to improve, the holdover players that were there last year, namely the Jays, Jalen and Jason. And, I mean, if you look at their age, they're, what, 22, 23? Like, they're going to continue to improve. They're going to be better this coming season than they were this past season. I think I can say that with certainty. And and then the other thing with the Celtics is that you got to look at just how screwed up last season was for them. Like when you look at, uh, at Tatum had one of the worst COVID bouts of, of anybody in the league. I mean, he got really sick. So not only did he miss a significant amount of time, but when he came back, he really wasn't himself for a while, if ever really last season. You know, he was using an inhaler before games. Like, it really messed him up. He, he just didn't have a full season, just didn't have a season at his best. Marcus Smart got injured when they needed him most. I think it was a calf strain or an Achilles strain. He missed some time. Obviously, Jalen Brown got hurt prior to the playoffs. They just had a really messed up season. And I think because of that, you know, I don't know, people just look at their record or just, hey, this team wasn't that good last year. Why would they be that much better this next season? Well, they're all going to be healthy. Their best players are going to be that much better, and they're going to have a different identity with Kemba outgoing and Marcus Smart presumed to be stepping into the starting point guard role. They're going to be a very formidable defensive team, and I think that's going to be their their calling card. And and, and with the Jays, they've got some serious offensive punch to go with that as well. So, yeah, I'm very confident in them. And I just, again, it just wasn't the most exciting offseason. And that's coming off a very disappointing season. And I think that combination leads people to believe that they're going to be mediocre. 
but I think they're going to have a, a major bounce back for the reasons I outlined. See, I kind of like, I do agree with you because I do think it was overlooked that Tatum did, he maybe played like, I think offensively he was better last year, but defensively there was definitely some slippage and that's probably, you know, his health, long COVID. I think it's fair to assume that that played a role in him kind of losing the stuff he gained on offense. He lost on defense last year. And I could see if he can balance those two things out and go back to, you know, a near all defensive caliber wing, plus what he's gained offensively as a creator, I could see him as like a clear all NBA player next year for sure. And I think people aren't really talking about the fact that, you know, he was pegged a year, 18 months ago to, you know, be a top 10 player by now or next year that's kind of gone to the side when that is still in a real possibility. My only issue with this off season, cause like you say, they got rid of Kemba, Tristan Thompson, Evan Fournier. They brought in like Chris Dunn, Josh Richardson, re-signing Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, Al Horford, Enos Cantor. And of course the Boston Celtic special, the trade exceptions, they're ready for this season. They did also give up uh Shengun via pick, but that pick had already been traded. Unlucky for them but so I do I see this kind of what Brad Stevens trying to build he wants like two defensive guards he's obviously not really going to be playing going to be expecting much offense through his guards I mean you could argue like Dennis Schroeder if he can regain some of the value he might be a really good sixth man scorer but without that kind of creative guard play because Marcus Smart is your lead you're expecting a lot of creativity a lot of playmaking from Tatum and Brown in terms of creating shots for others I don't know if they're quite there yet or whether they'll ever get to that level of creator. So I do see Boston maybe struggling to create easy shots within a team concept going into next year, which I think is worrying, even though, you know, Tatum is an elite ISO scorer. Brown has become a really good scorer and they have like creators up and down the roster. I don't see them ever, them really having a kind of lead creator and we'll see, we'll see if it works or not, but I do think that the limitations put like the fourth seed as like their ceiling this year to me. It's it's so hard to say at this point. Um, but I mean, like as far as Schroeder, th- that's a really exciting signing because I mean, you talk about recovering his value, but I completely disagree with you, but I'll let, I'll let you keep going. But dude, this is a guy that the Lakers, not idiots. We're going to pay in excess of 20, $20 million dollars per season okay now i understand their situation with his bird rights they were kind of like you know if we don't sign him we might not be able to get we can't really get anybody else because of our cap situation of course they ended up doing the rust thing but with a trade but that's part of why they offered him all that money but at the same time like that was his value like at the end of the season and just because of the way everything went down i mean they ended up getting him for 5.9 million dollars for one season right and the thing is like he's very motivated. He has to be like, because he's got one season to sort of get back to that level. He, you know, he's, he's going to want that, that $20 million type of uh, contract. And I would imagine that he's going to have a pretty big season uh, in order to try to get that. So, I mean, I think between the the motivation he's going to have um, just the value at that price that he has, that they were able to get him for that, and then also just the type of player that he is, um, the creator that he can be, the playmaker that he can be, I think really is what they need. I think he's kind of the perfect sixth man for that team. 
and yeah, if you look at the guys they brought back in Smart and Time Lord, like those are sort of your bookends um, defensively, your center and, and your point guard probably. And, uh, and those guys are both monsters on the defensive end. I think Time Lord is going to have a really big season. Like I think he could even be in the MIP conversation, you know, assuming he has the, the role that I think he's going to have and the minutes I think he's going to have. So again, and then, yeah, Josh Richardson and Dunn, I don't know what we're going to get from Dunn. He just has not been healthy for a long time. It's hard to get my hopes up too much about him, but he is an elite defensive guard when he's healthy. And Josh Richardson's a very good defensive player too. So that's definitely going to be their identity, like you said, Jacob. Um, and, you know, we saw with the Knicks last year, just a defensive first team like that. They had a lot of success um, being that kind of team. And, uh, and I think the Celtics have a lot more firepower offensively. They've got a couple of wild cards in Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith, where it's like if even one of those guys can can hit, can can really jump into the rotation in a significant role. And I think especially Neesmith with his shooting, uh, that could really add a new dimension uh, for them too. But both of those guys are kind of long two-way wings with some athleticism, and that that could really add something too. But even even if one of them doesn't hit, I think they're still in a really good really good spot. And the last thing, like is Ime Udoka. Like, they've got a new coach. I think maybe they needed a new voice. Like, Brad had been there as coach for a while. He's a great coach. We all know that. But it just comes to a point sometimes where you need a new voice. And I think Ime Udoka's, Udoka excuse me, is going to be the, the new voice that they need. I'm really excited about him. I mean, he was so highly regarded coming in. And, I, you know, I see no reason why, why he's not going to be a great coach right off the bat. So there's a lot. There is more to it, I think, than than when you just look at it on paper. I think there's more to this offseason. I think there's a lot of significance um, in, in a lot of different areas. Well, to me, I mean, we didn't even talk about Robert Williams and his con- his four-year, $54 million contract extension. But to me, this all comes down to Jason Tatum. It, it, it's time for – I think, Jacob, you and I actually talked about this last year, I think – it's time for Jason Tatum to match his talent and be one of the, you know, top eight, nine, ten players in the NBA. He has to figure out a way to make his teammates better. I think that's him and Jalen Brown's problem right now. And I thought that was a bigger problem uh, that the Celtics had last year. Everyone wants to point the blame at Kemba Walker. When your two best players don't make your other teammates better, you're not going to win a lot of games. Um, as far as, and I think Jason Tatum can absolutely do that. I think he's going to get the Team USA bump. And if, if Jason Tatum raises his game to another level, yeah, I think the Boston Celtics can definitely get into that that top four, that top five. I think that they could definitely easily be a better team than the Knicks. I, I think they might slip a little bit, but I think it's all there on the table for Boston. However, I will make a bold prediction that Dennis Schroeder does not finish the year with the Boston Celtics. I think that Dennis Schroeder, this, this signing, I mean, I don't fault the Celtics for um, doing this signing, but... Not many players bounce back from turning down a four-year, $88 million extension. Um, everyone remembers Latrell Sprewell. He turned down a three-year, $21 million deal, said his family had to eat out of the league the next year. Brandon Jennings turned down a four-year, $40 million contract from the Bucks. Bucks traded him, only got a three-year deal from the Detroit Pistons. I don't even think he finished that contract. Went to the Knicks. Brandon Jennings is, uh, was in Steph, Steph Curry's uh, draft class, was out of the year shortly after. You also have Nerlens Noel. He kind of rebounded a little bit with the Knicks, but he turned down a four-year, $70 million contract extension with the Dallas Mavericks, ended up signing a one-year, $4 million contract. Um, Dennis Schroeder has had attitude problems going all the way back to Atlanta. He was very good for off the bench for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He was not so good with the Lakers. And yes, Brett, the Lakers, we can say they are a smart team. 
Um, no other team offered Dennis Schroeder what the Lakers offered. No one even offered him 50 million, 60 million, 40 million, 30 million. No, he was only offered one year, $5.7 million. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't like to see players like that, uh, turn down money like that. I, I hope he bounces back. I hope he gets paid, but I do not see him contributing to the Celtics. I do not see him even finishing the year out on the Celtics. Oh, I could very well be wrong, but I think, the Celtics' success, I do agree with the first part of what you said, Brett. It all relies on Jason Tatum. If he's going to make that jump, then the Celtics are going to be he's, great. He's going to make a jump. Like I'd be shocked if Tatum doesn't make a jump, just no, based on his age, his talent level, and his his trajectory so far. Like I don't even think it's like an if with him. I think it's like he's going to be better. Like That's just what happens with these guys. Like He's well, he going to get better. He wasn't better last year, though. He wasn't better last year, and we can't – I mean <laughs> – I think it's easy to say COVID. I think it's easy. I think it's also easy to say he just didn't have a good year last year. Whether whether he whether had it was a massive or whatnot. He had a massive stretch though, like you know, a month or so after he got back from COVID, when he kind of got his legs under him. He said he was feeling better. I think he averaged like thirty over a month. I mean, he he did have a, one massive stretch, he, but yeah, he, like. The, but that's where I disagree with you. He averaged he a lot of time. Month, he averaged thirty a game for a month. His team finished five hundred. Eventually, this has to go to team success. Any one-on-one player in the what Carmelo, perfect example. Carmelo could go out and get you 35 when his team loses by 15 a night. Like he, he eventually, this stuff, he has to make his teammates better. He had he, he led them. He led them to the conference finals as a rookie. I mean, like he's yeah. he's proven that he can. Like last again, this was this is a, my whole point. Really, is I like I just the think best player on that conference finals team, though, Brett. In the playoffs, he was, but like, la- but like last year was a fluke year for them. That's all I'm saying. It was a fluky down year, like just for a number of things, not just Tatum. I think the smart injury was really big for them. I think Kemba not being at full health and missing a lot of time was big for them. I think Jalen getting hurt. Marcus Smart is never healthy. <laughs> it was the timing of his injury was rough though it was the time the timing of it was rough and the Jalen thing was big too man like they didn't have him in the playoffs um so I just think it was a lot of things and maybe it was Brad maybe it was Brad losing the locker room a little bit too you know and maybe maybe I, I don't know man I just I wouldn't read too much into last season that's really my whole thing and like and the thing with Schroeder man like he's in his prime like some of those other guys like Brandon Jennings like got a, a severe injury like you know, Latrell Sprewell was was getting pretty washed at that point. He was like 34 years old. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that Schroeder's going to struggle because of that. Like I said, I think if anything, it will motivate him and and he's going to have a nice season. Now, if there are some like attitude or locker room problems, like maybe they do move him at some point. You know, th- maybe this isn't what their team looks like. Uh, they do have that trade exception they could look to use at some point this season. There's some things they could do still for sure. But I just think even as it stands right now, there's a lot of reason for optimism. And I do think one of those top teams in the East is going to fall off, whether it's Philadelphia because Embiid gets hurt or, or they trade Simmons or Atlanta um, because they overachieved massively, I think, in the second half of last season and also in the playoffs or New York because they overachieved last season and they shook things up this year. They might not have that same magic. I just think like one of these teams is going to fall off and I think the Celtics are going to be better than they were last year. And that's going to put them at least in the top five, I would say with confidence. Jacob, do you want to put a bow on the Celtics talk? I just, so the Celtics came seventh last year behind the Heat, the Hawks, the Knicks, the Bucks, the Nets, and the 76ers. For them to jump, say, just two of those teams, what, are they jumping the Hawks and the Knicks? Maybe they're jumping those two to fifth. Are they then jumping one of Philadelphia, the Nets, the Bucks, or the Heat into the top four? I don't know about that. Like, I I do agree. Like, I think... 
if Tatum can take that jump. And I, I do think he will. But I just... And I think one thing we haven't mentioned is the identity of this team, I think, is a lot stronger than it is last year in terms of... I think they're going to lean into that defensive identity. And then Tatum will probably get praised a lot more as like the key contributor, kind of like what Julius Randle did last year for the Knicks or like, you know, a very simplified version of like what Allen Iverson was for the 76ers in that he's the offensive engine, just, you know, putting up crazy numbers because he's by far the best player. And the the Celtics are actually really good just because their defense is really fucking good. And they climb up and Tatum gets a lot of buzz. Like I could totally see that happening into like the fourth seed, maybe even the three seed. If like the Bucks or the Nets regress in the regular season, because they don't care. I could I could see it, but I wouldn't bet on it. I think I think Tatum's going to take a huge jump, man. I, I really do. I, I think he's going to get that Olympic bump, and I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be really good. I, I really, I really, really do. I, I'm I'm pretty, I'm high on Boston. I I, I kind of agree with Brett there, but I, I I the Schroeder signing, I I I have a difficult time seeing Schroeder, that guy having the confidence to to bounce back to try and get paid from another organization. Like I I could easily see Schroeder being out of the league in the next couple of years or just bouncing around on on vet minimums. But let's uh let's go over to the Golden State Warriors here. Jacob, you wanted to talk about Golden State on the last podcast. Unfortunately, we kind of ran out of time. Hey, Clay Thompson might actually play in an NBA game. I think Brett, you was it you that had that up there that um only Grant Hill or, or has he passed Grant Hill of, of players who oh, yeah. this much time coming back. So well go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, just as far as Clay like I was just so maybe not in terms of games games missed, but if you look at time time since the last time he took an NBA court, assuming he returns on Christmas, it's going to be over 900 days. Uh, So he's just been out for an eternity. And obviously, you know, initially it was an ACL injury, missed a season, was just about coming back right before the draft. And then he tears his Achilles and misses another season. So it's just an incredible amount of time for somebody to miss. And uh, the only one I could think of that's missed more in terms of days is Bill Walton. Uh, who missed slightly more than what Clay will will have ended up missing, assuming he comes back on Christmas. But things are different now, and and he Clay's a very special guy. So I mean, I think he's still going to be still going to be a very good player, a very important player, definitely going to make them better. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be quite what he was defensively or or off the ball, things like that. But he'll still be able to knock down threes. Um, and I think Jordan Poole's ascension might mitigate any um, decline in Clay's play, but. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about with the Warriors um, beyond even just Clay, but that's obviously the big sort of headline grabbing addition is is getting him back, and we're all excited to see him back on the court because we all love him and he's a fun player to watch. And nobody gets hot like Clay, so we're gonna see a couple of those crazy quarters. I think even this season where he just goes nuts for like twenty plus. Um, can't wait. I love yeah. it, Jacob. Come on, baby, you want to talk about Golden State? <laughs> Let's go. The floor is yours. So. No, yeah, I think Clay coming back is going to. We have to see what happens, but um, actually, the uh, the ringer just dropped a video about Kevin Durant where they got on um, a Brian Sutra doctor to talk about how Kevin Durant came back so well, and it's basically because of the unprecedented amount of time he had to recover from the injury. It's like you can start playing after an Achilles tear after like a year or like nine months to a year, people can in theory start playing again, but it can take two to three years for you to fully recover. And Kevin Durant had like 18 months off, which really helped him. So we'll see with clay because 
one thing, like I do believe some of what he was defensively, some of his speed on offense will be diminished, but Clay is more, Clay was never like that quick. He was never that explosive athletically to start with. He just had super intelligent movement on offense and, you know, was like a really good on ball defender on defense. And I think those skills in themselves, I think they probably haven't been hurt as much by the injuries as some other people might. I think he could still really contribute, maybe not at an all-star level, but still really good. But something I really want to talk about with Golden State was the players they gave up and then the players they brought in. So they gave up uh, Eric Pascal, uh, Brad Wanamaker, Marquise Chris. That was kind of back towards the end of the season. And they gave up Kelly Oubre this offseason. And they brought back in those people's places of Otto Porter Jr., and the man you'd be Elitza, they've drafted Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, they brought back Andre Iguodala, you assume just a kind of in a veteran role, and obviously Clay coming back. Like I think there's a lot of addition by subtraction from the players that they gave away. And then on top of that, the people filling in those roles, like Otto Porter Jr. filling in the role Kelly Oubre did, I think he fits so much better in this team than Kelly Oubre, who's not a bad player and kind of worked really hard defensively, but He's just not a shooter. He's not an offensive player. Well, Otto Porter Jr. is an elite shooter, a strong defender, and like low turnover player. Like, I'm big on his ability. Moses Moody, obviously James Wiseman, we hope to take a jump. I just think this team is kind of primed to really surprise people in a way like, because we know Steph is such a force multiplier on offense. We know that if you put good defenders around Draymond, his supercomputer brain can kind of turn them into an elite defense. I just think that if you can put the right pieces around those two on both ends, this team will become, you know, maybe not as good as peak warriors, but there's still, I think, enough left in the tank for them to be a title contender. So we'll see how these moves pan out, but I am kind of dark horse, like Golden State Warriors. If they can figure it all out, they might be a dark horse in the West. Yeah, I agree. I think they could very well be a top three, four team in the in the West. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm glad you brought up the 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 timeline thing, like with Durant, because he did like the pandemic kind of worked in his favor. Like he ended up getting a ton of time off, um, just mm-hmm. the way everything worked out. And the thing with Clay is like it, like I said, he's had all this time, but since the Achilles, it'll only have been I think about 13 months if he comes back when he's expected to. So that's not a ton of time, and they'll probably ease him back in. Uh, I agree about Otto, just his shooting. Like, I don't think Kelly Oubre is a bad shooter at all. He had a rough start to the season shooting wise, but overall, I still think, I think he's a pretty good shooter. Otto's a very good shooter. Otto's a better Mm -hmm. shooter. And the fact that they got him for the minimum, that's insane. And Bielitsa, like they got both of those guys on minimum contracts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, that's insane. Like Otto was making 25 million a year or something. I mean, he got paid, and for a reason. Uh, the thing with him is he just hasn't been in the greatest shape. He's looked a little flabby, a little slow. He's had injuries, obviously. But, man, if he is healthy and in good shape, guy's only 28 years old. Feels like he's 35, but he's 28. He's still got a few great years left in him if he's in shape and healthy. So that was a steal and maybe the biggest steal of of the whole offseason. I won't say Schroeder, Steve, because I know how much you'll disagree with me, but but um I think <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, might, it's, it's, I think from a value let's just go back to Schroeder for one minute. For, like I just see like <laughs> if you just left the Lakers and he was like, hey, I'm gonna go sign with the Celtics, like yeah, I just I just don't know of too many players that 
I just don't see him mentally being able to, all right, I'm going to play my ass off again. Cause he just did that the previous season to try. I don't know. I, like, I like, I just don't, I, it's very <laughs> difficult to me seeing a, like I'm pulling for him. I just don't see a world in which he's going to come back and be like, I think maybe he won't, maybe he won't be a black cloud. That's going to hover over him. Like, I just turned down $84 million and I may never get back to the again. I think, you know what, man? I think it, to be fair, I think it could go either way. I guess I'm just more on the optimistic yeah. side, but I'm not discounting what you're saying. Like if I do see what you're saying. If, if we're um, getting, if we're getting <laughs> LA Laker, Dennis Shooter, then do I think I, I completely agree with you. I just, what I'm disagreeing with you is I do not think we're getting LA Laker, Dennis Shooter. I think we're getting the, holy shit, what did I just do? Like that's right. Okay. Back on we'll see. But, 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 but if you apply that that logic to uh, or the logic I'm saying to to Otto say like Otto who might doesn't have a black cloud hanging over him like he's just there on a minimum deal kind of nothing to lose um, he might have something to play for too exactly. like he's looking for one more big contract mm-hmm. so th- so if we're talking about the Warriors like that could be that could be big too and I think Bielitsa could be uh, I compared him to like Batum I said that on a, on a podcast or on the somewhere where it's like he could be sort of like like Batum was for the Clippers this season guy that's been on a bad team for a really long time he was very good early on. And then everyone just kind of forgot about him and he just wasn't playing a lot. Like the Kings just didn't play him. They just, he wanted to play and they didn't play him because they're like, dude, you just don't fit in with what we're doing. We're trying to get guys like Bagley uh, minutes here. And he's a guy that could resurface, I think, and be a very valuable piece for them in like a 20 minute a game role as sort of a backup power forward. But yeah, I mean, there, and we'll see what happens with the rookies. I don't think Kuminga is going to contribute too much. Love his long-term outlook. Oh, I love his long-term ceiling. I guess I should say like, there's, Still some questions, but you know everything I saw in summer league was very encouraging. And then, and then Moody might be a guy that could help them a little bit. But I think, uh, I think above all else, the, the Jordan Poole ascension could be the biggest thing for them. To be honest, <laughs> if we're looking about at the difference, between, I mean, we saw what he did when he got called up from the G League. I mean, he straight up balled out for them last season. And everybody's saying he's put on muscle. He's looking great. I know they say that about everybody, but from what I've seen, that, that that's true. And he's been working all summer. He's known as one of the hardest workers in the league. He's going to be their starting two guard, I'm pretty sure, until Clay gets back. And um, I think he's going to get a pretty firm grip on that role and, and you know, maybe average like 20. Um, you know, so, I agree with you. You know, yeah. I'm pulling for him, dude. That's my guy. That's boy. That's yeah, my boy, man. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm you, know, some, you, know, you know, one thing, though, one thing that I want to bring up about and it leads from Jordan Poole, is right. Let me just list. These are like their top six guys in the one to three slots. Like you can argue sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever, but you just got, you got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, Otto Porter, and Andrew Wiggins. Like the weakest shooter there is Andrew Wiggins. And last year he shot 38%. Like they could have elite spacing around Steph um, on the perimeter this year, which is something they haven't really had for Steph for, you know, 2015, 20, maybe never have they had this much quality shooting around Steph Curry on the perimeter. And that is something that I think is getting overlooked a bit and could be really mm-hmm. scary for other teams. It's a great point. Cause look what he did last season without mm-hmm. that, the spacing that, that Otto Porter and clay will provide. Yeah. Imagine him with that additional spacing, like, it's going to be scary, man. If he, if he plays at the level he did last season, but he's got that much more room to operate, it's going to be special, man. And yeah, they're, I don't know, man. If somebody wanted to pick them as the favorites to win it, I wouldn't even call them crazy. I'm not going to do that, but I think I probably have them in like my top three in the West for sure. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think think. they're, they're a team, another team 
they, they've been linked to Ben Simmons, man, and I, I don't know if they're done. Like, I, I can easily see them making a trade. Maybe I don't think it's Bradley Beal. Maybe it's a Bradley Beal type. Like, I just don't think that – I shouldn't say I don't think. I would not be surprised if they're not dealing this offseason. I think this Ben Simmons thing hangs over Portland, and I think it hangs over Golden State. And, I mean, like, if you're – I, I actually like the fit between – I shouldn't say I, I like the fit. I don't think the fit is that bad between Draymond and Ben Simmons. I think those players, especially Draymond, especially Steph, I think they're so smart that they'll make it work. I think they have a great coach. I think they have a great organization. Like, I think there's another move left for Golden State, and I, I'm with you guys. I, I could – I'm not going to predict them, them to be like a top three seed, but if you told me they were the number one seed or two seed – I would not be surprised, if, especially if we're getting the Draymond Green that we got last year. Woo! Woo! And and if Steph <laughs> continues to play the way that he played last year, I mean, they were 39 and 33, and you, uh, I think a couple of those uh, losses could have easily been wins. I don't know, man. I, I'm pretty bullish on Golden State, surprisingly, and that's that's even without knowing what we're going to get from Clay Thompson. He's totally almost agree. icing on the cake. Like, they're almost – I mean, again, I'm higher on Jordan Poole than anybody, but, like – I mean, I think he's an above average stu- shooting guard already. And like, uh, and if you get Clay back at even like 75%, what if Clay could just be like Duncan Robinson? You know, like Clay <laughs> minus the defense and a little bit of the athleticism. Like, what if Clay could just be like a Duncan Robinson, like a pure three point shooter? I mean, I feel like that might be his floor when he's all the way back healthy. So that's just like icing on the cake. I think they're pretty damn good regardless. And anything they get from Clay is just a bonus. Yeah. Yeah, they should be counting on him Jacob, too much. Do you, do you, you're the you're the uh, you're the numbers guy. Do you like that fit? Let's just say that they find a way to get Ben Simmons and pair him with Draymond. Do you like that fit, or are you just like, eh, not not at all? What I think is, though, I'm pretty certain they can't mathematically make the trade without Jacob, including the Draymond contract. Don't, stop! Stop! <laughs> I do. I do think that's true. I do think. Jacob, I was told by Russell a- Westbrook and John Wall had the two most untradeable contracts in basketball, and they've been traded <laughs> twice now. Stop it! I'm not saying. I'm not saying they can't make the trade. I'm saying they can't make the trade without Draymond's contract They'll involved. Figure something out, Jacob. Think- they will no, you include Draymond's out. contract. I don't like the fit with those two guys. I would only want one of them on the court at any given time. Like I would never want Draymond and Simmons on the court together, to be honest. Like I, if I'm, if I'm trading for Simmons, I, I want to give up Draymond cause he's redundant. He's like just a kind of like Ooh, an older, see, I don't, I don't worse, like that part. worse version of like Simmons. Simmons is just see, a better player and younger. And like, I don't know. I, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. They're both very good players. And Draymond's one of the smartest players we've ever seen, but like, I actually think that works. Like I think, but I do think you're right. That has to be part of the trade, but I'd be, I'd be all for that. If we're like, okay, we want Ben Simmons. That's kind of like, all right, Draymond, it was nice knowing you. I <laughs> Yeah, no, I do. Like the thing is right. My issue is because I do, they're two of the, for their size, you know, and for their position, they're two of the greatest passes ever. So you think, you know, in theory, and they're both such amazing defenders both those skills are like really good. Like you want more great defenders. You want people who are better at passing the ball. My issue with them is that they're both kind of unwilling to shoot. And if they're both on the floor at the same time, it can be like you're playing three on five and that if they were just willing, like Giannis can't fucking shoot and they're and How green and Simmons are probably better, and Simmons <laughs> are probably better passes than, than Giannis as well. But Giannis is willing. He has the balls to shoot it. He has the balls to go to the rim that they don't really have, which is why 
I'm a bit more reluctant with Green and Simmons, even though, yeah, the theory, they're great passing defensive players, don't want them on the floor together because I don't want two guys who cannot shoot the ball and are unwilling to go out for layups. Like, I just, I don't want that. I mean, can you have, because I would, I would classify both of them as non-shooters. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't even say Giannis is a non-shooter because he does shoot it and he does make them sometimes. But you I, Simmons and Green, I would say, are non-shooters. <laughs> and, in, and in today's NBA, I don't think you can have two non-shooters on the court at once. No. I mean, maybe you can get away with it at times, but like in general, I wouldn't want two non-shooters on the court at once. Like I wouldn't want them both in my starting lineup. I don't. I don't think that works. But like, and I don't. But you know what, man? I don't think I they're going to do it. I think game. it can work. I don't Dray- know. Man. I think. See, the reason that I like it is because I think Ben Simmons needs Draymond. I think Draymond would be on his ass. Like we, we've heard from we've now heard from a bunch of people that cover the NBA way more than us that know Ben Simmons and know these guys that Ben Simmons' biggest issue. It's all mental. He wants to look perfect and he doesn't want to screw and he's scared of screwing up. I just think that environment, I think he'd be I think he'd be awesome there. I do, and I want to see it. Fucking make it happen. Make it fucking happen. You know it won't happen because it just I I'm I, all for it. It'd be fun. It'd be well, they're fun. Even, they're even torn. I have heard the Golden State Warriors front office is torn on the fit, and they are torn on what to do regarding Ben Simmons, Draymond, whether to do anything at all. I think it was I think it was Stephen A. Smith who said it. He went on the low post and he they talked about that within the organization they're not sure what they hey, want what to do. Did, which hey, what else did Stephen A. said that Draymond and Ben Simmons would be on the same team? So suck it, Jacob. Math throw it well, out. Hey, I like <laughs> think about that lineup though. Like, cause I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't like the Simmons on Golden State fit. I just don't know about him and Draymond sharing the court. But yeah. like that is like the death lineup of all death lineups. If you have Ben Simmons as your center. In that mm-hmm. Golden State style death lineup, where maybe even you could go like Steph, Pool, Clay, like for your yeah. one, two, three. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, because yep. we saw what it was like with Draymond, and Ben is bigger. Like, Ben is 6'10. And uh, I mean, I think he can do most of what Draymond does. I think he's a lot more athletic, obviously. Like, that would be a crazy lineup. And like, I just think that is the key to Ben Simmons is make him a center and make him the only non shooter on the floor. You do that, and you've got one of the best players in the league. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's why it's so hard for you to judge Ben Simmons, because it's very obvious. His skill set is very – it's like you need the right environment for him to flourish. And if you're in the wrong one, he looks like some of what we saw in the playoffs. Like they need him to play center, and they need him to flourish around, yeah, a lineup of Curry, Poole, Clay. Porter and him at the five. Yeah, yeah. Porter as a stretch four. Exactly. It's perfect. Like, yeah. imagine that lineup. So, I mean, I'm all for the Ben Simmons thing. Or maybe, what about the Wiggins contract? I mean, mm. is that like you can't package that with something else if you really have to keep Draymond? Like, maybe they wouldn't want that. I don't know. Um, maybe that's not enough. But like, I mean, I mean, realistically, I could. I reckon if Philly are doing a Ben Simmons Draymond or Ben Simmons Wigan Wiggins deal, they're moving Wiggins or Draymond on for something else. Like, yeah, I don't really see them keeping either one just because, well, the problem is it's, it's Embiid. Any move that doesn't get you like an all-star kind of like a CJ McCollum plus plus player for that deal. That's like telling Embiid, like we're trying to take a step back to take a step forward in two years. It's yeah. Like, 
Well, then think about this, like just to touch on Philly real quick, because we haven't really talked about them yet. But like, this is one of the reasons why I think they have potential for some serious regression, because look, say what you want about Ben Simmons and how he played in the playoffs, but he was a big part of why they were the number one seed going into the playoffs. Okay, Mm -hmm. like he got them a lot of wins in the regular season. He was he was very good this regular season. He finished second in defensive player of the year. Like he's a big part of why they had such a good regular season. Okay, and so you trade him away for pennies on the dollar or you move him for like a Draymond and Wiggins and then you move those guys and what are you going to bring him back for them and it's like you might have like a serious downgrade in the regular season as far as your roster and then you factor in the likelihood of Embiid getting injured and missing 20 or 30 games like we can't rule that out I actually think that's that's a likely thing to happen he's going to get hurt and like it's very possible he could have a serious injury I hate to say it but that's just been his history and he's a huge guy that that plays quite a bit of minutes. So, I mean, if you if you lose Simmons for not for something that's not great and then Embiid gets hurt, like all of a sudden you don't have that good of a team. Doc, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, of all the teams <laughs> in the East, they're the one I think that's going to take the biggest step back and I picked them to finish first last season like I was right about that and I think I think we may all have um at least a yeah. couple of us, but like we were all high on them, I know. But uh, I don't think it's going to be quite the same. And I think losing Simmons is going to be a big part of that. I think I think it gets it doesn't get talked about enough. Like what a big part of their regular season success he was. This episode <laughs> of the Overstated NBA show was brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Type in promo code Overstated. You get 20% off free shipping. We've talked about this enough. I just actually re-upped. I got some more um, ball deodorant. I love it. The ball toner, the ball deodorant. All in on it. All in on it. Love it. You can lawnmower 4.0. It's got the guards on it. It's got a light on it. You can use it in the shower. Manscaped is awesome. Their products are awesome. We wouldn't um, push anything that we don't like or we haven't used. I think that that goes without saying for all three of us. So that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use promo code overstated. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use promo code overstated. Free shipping. Telling you guys, your balls will thank you. Well, let's, let's stay with Philly. Jacob, you are your, you know, your stepfather, Daryl Morey. What, um, <laughs> what are you doing? Because I think the trade, we all said last season, the trade to make was Ben Simmons for James Harden. Like that was it. Yada, 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 yada. I think Philly wanted a little bit more. I think they got a little bit greedy. Uh, Houston went with the draft picks with Brooklyn instead. So if you are Philly after everything you just saw this season, I mean, it's pretty clear that, you know, at least what's been reported, what what Daryl Morey is looking for in return. What do you do if you're um, your stepfather here? So <laughs> I like so that one, they, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I, I have disagreements with him, but you know, ultimately, we are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> I, I, I'm interested in what they're doing, basically, because they've done nothing. This off season, they Danny you know Green, they replaced. Dude, stop it! They got yeah, Danny Green. Fair enough. That's that's a good a good um, signing. But you know they swapped Dwight for Drummond. Whatever. That's like how do, this is part of my problem. Like if you're just focusing on the numbers, then like Drummond and Embiid fucking hate each other. What are you doing? <laughs> like signing them? They they have a well known beef. Well, clearly they're best just, friends like, now, dude. I guess so. I guess. I mean. I like the pickup of Jaden Springer. Our friend Nathan Grubel at Draft Deeper, I know, has been big on Jaden Springer. So, you know, that might pla- pa- um, pan out for them. 
in terms of Ben Simmons, like the rest of the roster is basically as is, and that's what they can get for Ben Simmons. Now, I did share a trade idea, which is pretty wild and probably not one that Philly would accept. But the basic TLDR is CJ McCollum and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovic in a three-team deal with Portland and Atlanta. Like Portland get Ben Simmons, um, Atlanta get like picks, and I think they had to get Thibel in that deal, which is pretty fucking good for them. Like I don't know if Philly would do that if if the old father-in-law would do that for CJ and Bogdan Bogdanovic, but that's one of the only avenues I can see them hmm. realistically getting a lot better. I think that extra scoring on the perimeter would really balance out with Embiid, and I think that might just raise them up a level, but that's like the only move I can see that might get Philly up a level, in my opinion. I like the CJ move. I mean, even just like a, a, a straight-up deal, if you could make that work, uh, where essentially you're swapping Ben and CJ. I actually like it a lot for both teams. You know, Ben damn sure isn't going to be playing point guard on Portland, and um, and, and they could use his defense. It's really what they've been missing. And um, and I think CJ and, and his ability to create on the perimeter and scores, you can play a little bit of point guard, play combo guard, uh, could be perfect yeah. for Philly. I mean, I've always liked that one. I feel like, you know, that's one I've been talking about forever. The three-team thing is interesting. If there was a way that they could maybe – um, upgrade in another spot as well, like swapping Bogdan for for Thibel essentially. But uh, I like that that hypothetical well, trade you just brought up. But I'm the, all for the CJ Ben thing in any form. I think that would be great for both teams. And I I don't think they can do much better than CJ for Ben right now, based on what his market seems to be. I think that would be they'd have to be happy with that. Yeah, I would do. One, the, I would do the other guy, Brett. I know what I know. You don't want to hear it, man. But I, I think that's what Daryl's <laughs> waiting for. I really do. I so think there's you, no way though. That's, I think the Ben for game trade is right there. I think Daryl would uh, – he's waiting for it. He's just he's just waiting it out. He's waiting for Dame. Once Dame gets back to Portland and be like – talks with uh, his boy, Neil O'Shingles. Nah, bro. Maybe he drops – maybe he – you know, it's on his new album, man. Get me to Philly. But I, I think <laughs> I think the Dame asking out of Portland is inevitable, and I think it's coming. And I think the closer we get to training camp, the closer we maybe. get to it, it being official. Maybe, yeah, think- maybe. It wouldn't surprise me at all, and I've said this before, I would not blame him. As a Blazers That's- fan, as a Dame fan, I would not blame him if he did ask out. I wouldn't even be mad. Okay, he's been there for a long time. He's he's given them everything. Um, I don't think Ben Simmons is enough for Dame. It would have to be, you know, a three-team deal or, I don't know, I don't even want to start talking about, like, Thibel and Maxi. Maybe if you did Simmons, Thibel, and Maxi. Or something like that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we do that, but uh, that's tough. I don't even want to talk about that. But, but, but you're right, man. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he does ask out. He hasn't done it yet. It's been reported that he might, but we'll we'll just have to see. But I'd, I, as a Blazers fan, obviously, I, I'd much rather give up CJ. I think Ben and Dame could be a really, really fun duo. And I, I, the one thing that really lends that is how bad I think Portland's off season has been this year, and not necessarily. Like it's just they we all know they need to make moves. They're on a clock with Dame to actually make something of his prime, and they've Ugh. basically stood pat. You know, like they yeah. uh, resigned Norman Powell, it's, Tony Snell. Like it's it's nothing. nothing. They're like a seventh seed, eight seed again with like one of the best players in the league. So if he, this is like a perfect time for him to want out, and I think that would be the major domino to fall if he wanted out of Portland especially with all the negative attention they've gotten with like Billups and he got 
through that, through endorsing him, like it may have just soured the whole experience for Damon. He wants something fresh. That mm-hmm. might be the case. And there aren't many places better to go than Philly where you balance out with one of the best big men in the league. And, you know, you have that perimeter interior Shaq and Kobe kind of thing, like that double kind of interior exterior threat. And I think it, I think they would be like a real contender then if they were able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, they would. I mean, whatever. I wouldn't blame them, but I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. I hear you. So, Brett, I probably you wouldn't want- be. A, I probably wouldn't be a Blazers fan anymore if they traded oh Dame. I don't think. I, yes. if, they lost, if they lost Dame, be based on the based on the Billups hire and and this completely uneventful offseason. I mean, I think it was just the expectation that Norm was going to come back, and other than that, it was been really nothing. Right. Uh, so, if right. they lost him right. based on these decisions, I wouldn't even. I, I wouldn't right. even let me tell you something. Anymore, I'm gonna. Think. I'm gonna tell you something. All right. You got to You got to I'm gonna give you some advice here. All right. You could take it. You could leave it. You could tell me to fuck off. You could do whatever you want with it. When Ray <laughs> Allen got traded, Ray Allen at the time was way cooler than Damian Lillard is. We're talking Jesus Shuttlesworth. He got game. Smoothest game possible. My favorite team of all time traded him away for a bag of donuts. All right. That's it. Hall of Fame career. We traded him away before he even, he maybe had a tiptoe in his prime. If I can still be a Bucks fan after that, you can still be a Blazers fan. You can do it. This is this is this is real <laughs> fandom right here, man. When your team and your ownership is so stupid and they screw you over and you still hang tough with them, man, you'll get rewarded. I'm telling you, just stay with it, Brett. You've got, Brett, you've uh. got 500 <laughs> other teams to fall back on. You'll be fine. You, I don't think I like teams. I don't. I think I like. I like the. I like certain collections of players. Like I didn't really like the Celtics last season because they had all these guys I hated. Like Tristan Thompson. <laughs> you never heard me fucking talking about the Celtics last year. I didn't like them because they had Fournier and Tristan Thompson and Kemba. Like I didn't like that team. But I love them this coming season because those guys are gone and smart and time alert. Guys I love are going to have bigger roles. Like it, it kind of, you know, I love the Lakers until they got LeBron and AD. Like, you know, I love, I love them. I love when it was Ingram and Lonzo and Kuzma. I love that team. Kobe, of course. Then I didn't like, like, so you know what I mean? That's kind of how it goes. It's like if the Blazers lose Dame, I might be like, I'm out. I don't know. Maybe I was, maybe I was kind of a Dame fan more than a Blazers fan. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But um, <laughs> that Neil I, don't, I don't know, man. I might be out. I might be out, Neil. Yeah, Neil, get out. <laughs> you might have lost Neil. one, Neil. You might have lost a fan, Neil. Way to go, Neil. Yeah. Neil, Dick Neil. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's let's talk about another team that you wanted to talk about, Brett. Let's talk about. I'll say it. I have no problem saying it. Your Charlotte Hornets, uh, Lamelo Ball. Um, they just re-signed Terry Rozier to a huge contract. Like I said before the podcast, we can talk about LeBron giving back, but no, no player gives back to former players like Michael Jordan does. So, I mean, Brett, the floor <laughs> is yours. You and Lamelo. It's, it's this is your five minutes of Lamelo ball talk, baby. <laughs> hey, man. I mean, what what more is there to say about Lamelo? The guy is is fantastic. He's a modern day um, Iverson, dude. Yeah, that was the comp I made. I think there's, I think there's definitely something there. You know, I think I actually love that, that comp. Like just in terms of like a trendsetter, like an influencer, like a sort of like you know cultural guy. Like Melo's like the sort of modern version of that. And it's funny how much different the 2020 version of that looks like. You know, as uh, compared to the 1996 version, I think it speaks to how much um, the culture and everything, the game, everything has changed in those you know 25 years. But yeah, I mean, I think Melo's going to continue to 
to do his thing and and really catapult himself into I think you know he's got a great chance of being an all-star I think you know he'll probably be considered one of the 30 best players in the league something like that by the end of next season I don't see any reason why he won't be but they've had a good offseason I like the Rozier signing I don't if we look at the money that a lot of these other guys are getting uh, what did you have the the figure in front of you right now I don't yeah, I don't want to uh, say anything incorrect but it was it was in the in the in the neighborhood of like 20 per season something like that terry rosier yeah, we have where are you hey 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 where is this deal hang on i'll edit this little pause out don't worry you do it hell no you keep this shit in here man i mean Derek michael eats ass you can keep that in there <laughs> i'll keep that in there four, four years 97 million dollar contract extension yeah, Damn. that's pretty good money. So that's like 20, 23, 20, 24 million, something like that. Yeah. But um, look, man, he was really good for them last season. Like, I, I don't have it in front of me, but his clutch scoring numbers were definitely in like Dame Lillard territory. Like he was right there with Dame, maybe even more impressive in that regard, at least through a good chunk of the season. Um, and the guy plays defense, brings it on every possession, plays hard, players love him. Mesh as well with LaMelo. We saw that. And look, there's some other things, too, that they did. Uh, they got Mason Plumley, which I think is a really underrated move. I think he's a big upgrade over Zeller. Uh, he's a lot more athletic than people realize, even now as he kind of gets into his 30s as like a lob finisher, uh, a guy that can run the floor, a guy that doesn't need plays run for him. I think he might be a really nice starting center for that team if they're trying to make the playoffs. And then, of course, they got my guy Kelly Oubre. <laughs> Two years, $26 million. Um, Again, I I love Oubre. I think he's a very nice player. I think he's a player that can fit in just about anywhere. And I think he is a culture guy, too. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for helping to establish, in many ways, creating the culture that Phoenix carried over into this season. That whole Valley Boys thing, that was Kelly Oubre. He brought something special ooh, to that team ooh, in 2019-20. <laughs> he created the Valley Boys. He made that name up. Ooh, and he made the merchandise. And he, but he brought a certain energy, a certain swagger, a certain chemistry to that team. And I think he can also help to engender that in Charlotte alongside LaMelo. If you're building something, if you want to build a culture and camaraderie and a locker room and an identity and have a fun team, like he's the kind of guy you want. Uh, so, yeah, things didn't go perfectly in Golden State last year. But I think if you can get Kelly Oubre for $13 million a year, that's a steal. He's, he's still very young. Um, so between the Plumley thing, the Oubre thing, uh, bringing back Rozier, uh, trading away Devontae Graham to the Pelicans, who we might get to for a draft pick, Smart move. He was pretty redundant. I mean, when you already have, and also they lost Monk, I should say, who, who might be a little redundant too, when you consider that they have LaMelo, Rozier, Booknight, who they drafted in the lottery. A great pick, in my opinion. So when you have those three as kind of your guard core, you know, Monk and, and, and Graham become expendable. So I think it was smart to, to move on from those guys. And, uh, and I, I really like everything that they did. Um, I think they're a team that could absolutely be in the competition for a playoff spot. I'd say a play-in team at the very least. And even if they were to jump to like the, you know, the sixth seed, it wouldn't shock me. Um, we all love James Borrego, right, Steve? Um, I love they re-upped re 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 him as well. He's the best. I love, I love him too. We're on the Borrego bandwagon for sure. Uh, so that, I mean, <laughs> hey, that's that. I think that was five minutes. That's what you asked me for, right? <laughs> I did. I did. Well, I, I, I asked this because, I mean, Jacob, do you have anything to add to Charlotte? Because I do want to talk about, you know, I think, Jacob, you had it. I mean, Charlotte this offseason did lose Devontae Graham, Cody Zeller, and Malik Monk. I mean, how do you think 
is that how much is that going to affect them, Brett? Or do you think do you think not at all? Because I mean, if you're saying again, like the East is going to be really fun this year, and we can even kind of give our um, way too early predictions here. But Charlotte was the 10th seed; they were 33 and 39, and they were ahead of Chicago and Toronto. Both teams, well, at least one of those teams, I know you are very high on Brett. So I mean, like you still see though Charlotte as a play playoff team. I wouldn't, I wouldn't predict them to be in the playoffs. Like I think I wrote down my playoff predictions in the group. And again, super early might change them again, long time before the season starts. But just as of right now, I, I wouldn't predict them to be a playoff team. I would say they've got the East is deep, man. Like it's not a knock on Charlotte, but like I could see them finishing as like the nine or 10, you know, being in the play in, I would probably peg them as a play in team. But you know, if, if once you start listing these teams, you realize there's a lot of pretty solid teams in the East. You get down to like, well, who are we leaving out? Is it going to be Charlotte or Washington who could be pretty good or Indiana who, who's always seems to be pretty good or New York. Like there's, there's a lot of squads the bulls who knows how good they're going to be, but I probably would have them in like the nine, 10 mix. They get into a play in maybe they win their play in. Um, that would be their path to the playoffs, but, but I wouldn't have them in like my top eight, probably at the end of the regular God, season. Dude, I can't, who knows? I, this shit is so hard to predict. Man. Like, you know, yeah. like, okay. Cause like, I, People give me shit when I would list like my top eight. And it's like, do you realize that like one game or like a half a game could separate like the six and the eight or like the five and the eight or like the like the five and the ten could be separated by like two and a half games. So like for someone to say it's insane to say this team could be there. It's like so you're saying like a two and a half game swing is insane. And it's just it's really impossible to predict. You can get a pretty good idea of who's going to be at the top of the, the the conference if they stay healthy and who's going to suck. But when it comes to sort of that, like, you know, five through ten range, it's a crapshoot, if we're being honest. No, yeah, I think it's like five through like 11 or 12 could be really tight. Like when we're talking about like teams that could be the 12th seed, like Hornets could be, you know, the Pacers like the Raptors, these teams, like the Knicks, like there's so many strong teams, the Bulls, where, you know, you don't call them an eight seed because there's just, there's too many good teams. There's too many teams that are kind of in that eight seed range, like the Wizards. Like that just, that's like me listing the middle tier of the um, of the Eastern Conference. Like three or four of those teams aren't going to be in the playoffs because they can't. There's not enough spaces. And so saying the Char- the Charlotte Hornets are going to miss the playoffs, I don't think is to say they had a bad off season. It's just to, you know, be realistic about it. Cause I think some of their biggest acquisitions, obviously Kelly Oubre, um, Ish Smith, they um, signed the contract with Mason Plumley, like Terry Rozier um, resigned. They're nice kind of more veteran players, but their most exciting players are all under 23, like right now or 23 and under in like Lamella, obviously miles bridges, PJ Washington, James Booknight, and they signed Kai Jones from uh, New York for a future first round pick, which I think is like a really nice. I love him. Yeah, that's like, that's a real strong young core, and you want to give them minutes. But youngsters generally don't win games, even the most promising ones, unless like you're like a Tim Duncan rookie, which no one's saying these guys are, they're not going to win as many games. So I do see them probably not making the playoffs, but if Lamelo. But if Lamelo can be putting up, because like per 36 minutes last year, you know, like as just a roundabout, he was putting up like 28 and eight in the yeah. regular season. If he can actually just start doing that per game, because he only played like 29 minutes and he averaged like 16, six and six as a 19 year old. That is like this kid. Oh, 
it's his birthday today. 20, 20 years old, Lamelo. Well done. <laughs> so if I can well, right, done. Man. well done. Well done. Well, and, and hey, the, well done for being born. Think about the way he plays too. I mean, this is the big thing with Lamelo. Like, I'm not going to straight up compare him to Magic Johnson, but like, he he's that kind of unselfish. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a guy that make the ball moves. Players love playing with him. They're going to have a good offense. They're going to play up tempo. Uh, so I think he's going to make everybody better. I, I think to some degree he did as a rookie, and that's really hard to do, and uh, that's just going to increase as we go on here. But I think if we're looking at it, it's like, let's look at their established players. I would consider LaMelo established. We all know he's fantastic. So you've got LaMelo, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and then Bridges, Washington, Plumley. Let's like leave it at that six. That's a pretty nice six. Like, and, and so I think when we're talking about the East, we just have to say, like, look, there's 11 playoff caliber teams. Only eight of them are going to make the playoffs. So it's not a knock on any of these. And like, well, we haven't even talked 10. about Toronto. Remember, yet. technically 10 because you have the play. Yeah, so let, let's, let's do that real quick. I just want to hear this from you guys before. I do want to talk about New Orleans before we leave here. But let's, let's like, Jacob, start with you. So I'm going to tell you who made it, who were the top eight last year. And you tell me, you just tell me who's. <laughs> off, right so here's where the top eight last year right and then brett you make sure you pay attention philly brooklyn milwaukee new york atlanta miami boston washington those are your eight actual playoff teams the two playing games were indiana at nine and charlotte at 10 chicago was 11th toronto was 12th right who do i th- jesus christ so i i do actually i think apart from maybe brett i might be really high on toronto I do see them jumping over Washington. I see them realistically being better than the Bulls, Hornets, Pacers, and the Wizards, at least. Like, mm-hmm. so I do see them making it into the playoffs. I don't know if I see any of these other teams. Like, the Knicks, I think, are going to regress, as we all kind of, as everyone's been talking about, because they, they really squeezed as much as they could out last regular season. You saw in the playoffs, they're not really, like, they're a very weak playoff team. We're just talking about getting yeah. into the playoffs, though. I think, yeah, that's that's kind of the line. It's like, I think the Knicks, if you can't realistically be better than the Knicks, I don't think you have a chance of getting into the playoffs, really. And like, not not to say the Pacers or the Hornets or the Bulls couldn't. I just, you know, that's that's like the line you have to cross, I think, to get into the playoffs. I don't know if any of them will, honestly. I think the Knicks are still going to be pretty fucking good, relatively speaking. I, I don't even want to look at last season. I just, I can't. It's It's a completely different season. So much has changed. I think the only thing I I feel certain about is that the Nets and the Bucks, in some order, are the two best teams in the conference. I think damn that'll right. bear out in the regular. Damn season. right. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah. I would probably go. I think the Nets are just going to have a monster season. I'd probably go Nets one, Bucks two. Uh, my third would be the Celtics. Um, then I've got the Heat, the Hawks, mm-hmm. and then I think the Sixers will be in there like at six. But I think they're going to fall off a little bit for one of those reasons I mentioned before. I've got the Raptors as the seven, and then I'd probably go with the Bulls as the eight. I think they've just got too much talent to miss the playoffs. And then as far as like the play-in teams and the teams or the teams that'll sort of be fighting for that eight spot that might have a chance to grab it would be like the Pacers, obviously, the Wizards, the Hornets, uh, and I guess the Knicks too. I just don't know about the Knicks. Like so much of what they did last season was just identity and momentum and I don't know how much of that is going to carry over. Like you bring in um, Fournier and, and Walker and like how much of what Barrett and, and Randall did as shooters was fluky. Like, I don't think those guys are going to be 40% three point shooters next season. Certainly not both of them. 
Uh, how much is the rest of the league going to figure them out? Is uh, is Thibodeau going to start to grate on these guys? Like, I just don't have a lot of faith in them. So, but I mean, as far as like, I don't understand the Raptors thing. Let me just say this real quick because a lot of people I talk to have them in the basement of the East, kind of like where they were last season. And there are so many reasons to, to, to think otherwise, in my opinion, where it's like, first of all, they played last season in Tampa. Okay. They weren't home they they did not like that they're all very happy to be back in toronto and it it has been confirmed that this coming season will be played in toronto i don't think lowry was that great for them last season i think having fred van vliet as just your full-time starting point guard is probably a better look like i think this season he's probably gonna be a better player than lowry is this season uh, or would have been this season for the raptors i think scotty barnes can help them um, right away, maybe not in a major way, but I think he's he's got an NBA body and he's got a lot of skills that will translate right away to the NBA. I think he's already certainly a plus defender. I think OG is going to take another big leap. Um, I think they've still got arguably the best coach in basketball and Nick Nurse. They've got a culture. They've got a lot of like lineup flexibility. People seem to forget about Gary Trent Jr., casual people at least. He's there. They, they re-sign him. A pretty good value on that contract too. He's going to provide shooting, some defense. Siakam, I think it could be primed for a bounce back year. Um, I, I love the Precious Achua thing. I think he can help them. He can be kind of a fun up-tempo center. Boucher's coming off a great year. Like, they're kind of loaded, and they've got a great coach, and they're back home in Toronto, and this is a team that's only a couple years removed from an NBA title. Yes, I know they had Kawhi, but they've still got a lot of that, that title DNA on this team. And for people to say they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league, to me, that's crazy. Even if they're not a playoff team, I think at the very least they're going to be in that mix. But if we're picking our top eight, they're in mine. Yeah. No, yeah, they're in mine too. Like I do think the amount of quality they have between like 6'6 six, six and 6'10, six, when you think they got, you know, Siakam, OG, uh, Precious, Scotty Barnes, mm-hmm. Chris Boucher is like six nine. The the lineups they can throw out because as Scotty Barnes as a ball handler, you know, and Nick Nurse has been quoted saying that he wants a larger kind of ball handler. He doesn't want to play with a small point guard, which may be Fred Van Vliet. Like I can see Fred Van Vliet being the exception because he's such a good defender at his size. But you could still have Scotty Barnes as the lead playmaker in that team and just throw out these like these ridiculous like six nine lineups. Just everyone is like six seven and above you know like og is the smallest guy on the team and like scotty barnes runs the point you could throw out those lineups at some points so i think toronto are really gonna like scare people with their length and size especially if someone like precious can develop uh, they got ken birch they re-signed mm. who's a nice player you know they got um we'll see what happens with Dragic. obviously we'll see that yeah it uh, sounds like i i think i don't think he's gonna be there you know past no. the deadline but i almost forget he, about him but yeah god if he's there um, he's a, good, he's a good player, though. He's if they a can very get good player. They can get something for him, or he buys in. Yeah. Either way, I think they can be good. Either way, it's a nice, it's a nice piece to have. I like the fit with him. I hope he buys in, uh, and because him and that's all of a sudden a really fun guard rotation with him yeah. and Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. And it's like you're saying, yeah, you could play Scotty Barnes at the point guard. You could also play him at center, probably. Mm-hmm. Like I think he he and OG are two of the only guys in the league that can realistically maybe guard all five positions. They have almost an identical build. Um, defensively, they bring a lot of the same skills. 
Like, it, yeah, so between those guys and Siakam, who's got some versatility, Achua's got a ton of versatility. Like, they're going to be so much fun. And I just – I hope they go all in on the small ball thing. I've talked about this a bunch, but it's like, you know, like – and Nick Nurse, he had a quote the other day that sort of resonated with that when he was saying – it's a copycat league, but we don't have to be copycats. And he didn't really expound on it too much more, but I kind of interpret it as like, maybe we're going to play our own style. And I think that's going to be these small ball lineups. Cause you have guys that can play up two, three positions defensively. It enables you to do that. And they've had a lot of success with small ball lineups in the past. And I think they're as well suited for those kind of lineups as they've ever been. Um, mm-hmm. So I-, I hope they go all in with that, whether it's Achua at the five or or Boucher at the five or or, or even smaller with OG or Pascal or Scotty Barnes at the five. Um, I, I want to see a- as much of that as possible. I mean, I would say, why not just start a small ball lineup and just go with it from the jump? Hit them with that mismatch, uh, you know, screw them up right away. Like, why wait? Uh, I know there's some, you know, you can't do it against Joel Embiid, but you can do it against a lot of teams and um and I just want to see that from them and I think we will and I think they're going to be really fun and probably will exceed expectations more than just about any team in the league this I year. Don't, I don't that's know. my opinion. I'm going to push back a little bit cuz I don't know if anybody that is saying that Toronto is going to be in the cellar. I think it I think it is you know if we look at the four teams that missed the playoffs, Indiana, Charlotte, Chicago and Toronto from last year, I think they are a million times better than the three pe- than the three teams that absolutely suck. And that's Detroit, Orlando, and Cleveland. I think Toronto is going to be a great league pass team. I do not see them jumping over any of those teams that made the playoffs last year. I think, Jacob, you are correct. I think that the Knicks, if you had to peg a team that's going to regress, I think the Knicks certainly fit the bill. And I think Atlanta possibly could too. Although I think Trey Young is another player who could springboard what he did in the playoffs last, this past playoffs into this upcoming season. But I think... You know, I think Indiana is going to be a lot better now that they actually have a head coach that knows how to run a modern basketball offense. <laughs> I think Charlotte is going to be good. And we I we kind of talked about Chicago a little bit. We talked about them a lot on the last podcast. They just have so much talent, and I, I expect there to be a little bit of a Zach Levine bump. You, I've already said on the last podcast, I'm very bullish on Washington. I loved what they did. I just don't see Toronto jumping – those teams. I think if there's a team that's going to rise up, I think it's going to be Indiana. I, like I said, I'm a big Rick Carlisle fan. I think he's going to do wonders for Brogdon. And I think, like I said, he's going to put players in the right position to succeed. But I mean, like I said, I think Toronto is going to be a really, really fun league pass team. I just don't think it's their time yet. And that's, that's, that's okay. Like, I think it's very tough going from, you know, winning 27 games to jumping up and being, you know, a top six team in the East, which is the East got remarkably better, and I think we're going to see that as the uh, the season goes on here when it starts. But last team that I do want to talk about is the New Orleans Pelicans. And, Jacob, we're going to go with you because I have no idea what in the bloody hell – see what I did there? The New Orleans Pelicans <laughs> oh, are doing bloody, yeah. with Zion Williamson. They, For those of you that don't know, Anthony Davis, they had another transcendent player, didn't work with him. Um, they ended up probably making a handshake deal with the NBA to get the number one pick. They end up getting Zion Williamson, and since they have gotten him, it has just been a lot of head scratchers, I guess I'll say. They bring in David Griffin. They bring in Sam Van Gundy. Um, uh, last season, I was one of the first people. I'll take credit. I'll pat myself on the back. I knew that hire wasn't going to work. In an all-time shocker, he only lasted one season. Um, they trade Drew Holiday before the season starts last year. 
I am very thankful as a Bucks fan, but I still don't understand why the Pelicans didn't. I thought he maybe would have been perfect for Lonzo to continue to help groom him. They don't do that. And then, um, you know, they just let Lonzo Ball go to the Chicago Bulls. Um, they made a weird trade for Devontae Graham, which, Brett, we will get to you in a moment because I know I do know that you like that trade. I have no idea what the Pelicans are doing. Um, I don't think Zion's going to turn down the rookie max contract, but, you know, anything anything can happen. So to give us some clarity on this, Jacob Birkinshaw, what in the hell are the New Orleans Pelicans doing? Well, what, what in the bloody hell are the Pelicans doing is a good question, Steve, because just to line I mean, you covered most of it, but just to give you like a rundown, who they gave up, who they brought in. So they sent out Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, they're two two of their draft picks who are quite highly touted, and that's Zaya Williamson, Zaya Williams, not Zaya, not Zaya Williamson, and Jared Butler. And they gave and they lost Lonzo Ball when he was a restricted free agent. And they gave up two first round picks. One of their own, one of the uh, Lakers picks they got back from for the Anthony Davis deal. They received for that Devontae Graham, Jonas Valanciunas. A rookie called Trey Murphy the Third, who some people quite like, and Thomas Sataransky and Garrett Temple. Like, fair play if you don't think Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe are good players. Fine, fair play if you don't think like Zaya Williams, Jared Butler. They're just rookies. Who knows? Draft picks are draft picks. You lost Lonzo Ball when you had him. Like, I don't understand. Then you got Devonte Graham and Jonas Valanciunas. Who Devonte Graham? Yeah, he's a good shooter. You know he's quite a good player, although he's got obvi- his obvious limitations. Jonas Valanciunas is a pure like old school post up threat with Zion, and then they got like Saransky and Garrett Temple. Like, what are they meant to add in terms of culture? I'm I don't know. I like this. Just this is just like I think it would be a bad off season for them without giving up the picks. But then giving up the picks for what they got is totally bizarre to me. Why they did this? Like, fair enough. You think Devonte Graham is a good player? Not to say they were traded for each other, but is he better than Lonzo Ball, Jared Butler, and a couple first round picks? Like, no, he's he's not. I just this I don't think you can spin the Pelicans offseason as a good one. I agree with you that Zion won't turn down the rookie extension. It's too much money and he's had injury problems already. I just I don't see that happening. It's generational like, you know, nine figure wealth not happening. As much as we might want him to be the first great, you know, um, unrestricted free agent as a rookie experiment, I just don't see that happening. But I do think New Orleans Pelicans this offseason, we might look back on this as when they fuck themselves for, you know, Zion <laughs> rookie contract for the next two years, three years. They really fucked themselves. I could totally see that. All right, Brett, you are a little bit more bullish on this than Jacob and I are. So why don't you tell us why you. It's not panic time in New well, Orleans. Let's go there. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm bullish on the whole offseason. I was certainly bullish on Lonzo, no pun intended. Uh, he's one of my favorite players, has been for a long time. So, I mean, I hate to see him go as as a Pelicans fan and a Lonzo fan. A I hate to see him fan. move on. <laughs> you already know. Let's go. <laughs> um, I love Zo, so I don't like that. But I think we have to look at this within, like, the parameters of what was realistic. Lonzo wasn't coming back. I don't know exactly, you know, what it was, if it was that they didn't want him back or he didn't want to be there. Sounds like it was probably some of both, but it just doesn't sound like that was ever an option. Um, 
it sure doesn't sound like much that they got back from him for him from the Bulls uh, in Sadoransky and whatever the hell else it was. Um, Temple. <laughs> Temple. Yeah. And I like Sadoransky. I mean, he's a nice player. Like, you know, he's a guy, like if you're trying to make the playoffs, if you're trying to be a, a very good team, like he's a really nice, like seventh, maybe even sixth man to have like a good player, useful player, but yeah, it doesn't seem like much. And, and for what the bulls paid for Alonzo kind of felt like a steal. So if you just look at that, it, it is kind of rough. Um, Cause he's such a nice and promising and still young player, but I'm just looking at it. Like he was gone either way. He just wasn't coming back. So they bring back Devonte Graham to sort of fill in for him. I think Devonte Graham, people kind of forgot about him. I mean, that he had a really nice in what 2019, 20, he was fantastic for them. Yeah. Not the most efficient player, but a guy with a lot of shooting range, an excellent passer doesn't do a whole lot inside the arc, but, you know, he's, he's a very capable point guard. He can pass the ball. He can shoot the ball. Um, shooting's always good, especially on a team with Zion. And he's, I think he's a, probably a better shooter than Lonzo Ball. Okay. As much as I, Lonzo did improve as a shooter, and as much as I love him, I'd probably say Devontae's an upgrade just in that aspect as a shooter. I like Valanciunas a lot better than Steven Adams for this team. At least he can shoot it a little bit. We've seen him stretch the floor at times with the Grizzlies. He could do more of that. He could get up to where he's taking maybe three, four, three-pointers a game. I don't know if that's what you want from him. He's so good in that traditional center role. But if you're trying to create space for Zion um, to get to the rim, you might ask JV to to stretch a little bit. And at least he, he, he has some of that capability, whereas Adams had none. Uh, I'm not sad to see Bledsoe go. Um, you know, I don't mind. Like, losing Adams, Bledsoe, I'm, I'm great with that. Losing ball hurts a little bit, but... Uh, and the last thing I'll say is like the, in the coaching change, I think is another thing that could be big for them. The SVG thing just didn't yeah. work. Like you said, just was, was a bad hire from the beginning, Steve, you were right all along. Um, so I, I'm glad that he's gone and, and it's Willie green, right? That's taking over. Yeah, it is. Yes, I should have this in front is, yeah. of me. Willie green, university of Detroit. Hell yeah. The guy they drafted though, Trey Murphy is one of my favorite players in this draft class, especially after seeing him um, in person at summer league. He was one of the most impressive players that I saw. He's a very long kid. Um, I think he probably goes about six, eight with definitely over a seven foot wingspan. One of the best shooters in this draft class. I would say his mechanics are pretty much flawless. Um, he's an excellent shooter. He's a guy that's going to step in and, and could be a 40% three point shooter right out of the gate in the NBA. That wouldn't surprise me at all. He's a lot more athletic, I think, than people realized coming in, and he's a very smart player. Um, I think he could be like the Sadiq Bey of this draft class. Just an NBA-ready guy, smart player, great length, can shoot the ball, knows where to be on the court, could step in and have a really nice role for them and legitimately help them right off the bat. And then the same thing I said with the Celtics, man. These teams that have these young stars, you have to account for how much they're going to improve because they will. Zion and Brandon Ingram, there's no reason to think they won't be better than they were last year. So if you boost those two guys, I think they'll have a better record than they did last year. I'll put it that way. I don't want to get my expectations too high, but I don't think they had as bad of an offseason as people think. I think Devontae Graham is better than people realize. I think JV is a better fit than people realize. I think Trey Murphy is going to be all rookie first team, maybe also all rookie second team. He'll be in there. And I think they're going to have a better record than they had last season. It wouldn't shock me if they were at the very least in the play in and maybe even 
secure like the eight seed, something like that. Wouldn't shock me. I just one thing that I think is really weird about the Lonzo departure is that if we can, if we assume that you know, if we like Lonzo wanted to leave New Orleans, he wanted a bigger market like Chicago. Fair enough, but if it was role, like because you know he thought you know behind Zion, Ingram, now Jonas Valanciunas, whatever, like I'm not going to get the time on offense I want. He's gone to a team. He's chosen to go to a team with Levine, Vucevic, and DeRozan. So like he's gonna he's going from like the fourth option on offense to the fourth option on an offense. Like it's not you know the, the, his role is going to be pretty much the same, if not even more offensively reduced. I think in Chicago than it would have been in New Orleans. So I don't, unless there was just something about the organization, about the city, about Lonzo, just what he wants in life. I don't really see a basketball reason for him to choose Chicago over New Orleans going to this season. I really, I really don't understand it. I think you're right. I think, I think, I think it is probably the market and maybe he, maybe he just doesn't like the city. Maybe he never wanted to be there. Um, he was obviously traded there. It wasn't his choice to go there. And maybe he wanted to have some say in the matter. And I think he definitely is the kind of guy that wants a bigger market. And, you know, it's probably on paper, maybe a more talented team. I don't know. It's tough to walk away from uh, BI and Zion, but there had to be something there because it doesn't make sense. You're right. Um, it really doesn't. And then the other thing, too, that we should probably mention when we're talking about sort of filling that hole at point guard with Bledsoe and Lonzo now gone not only do they have Devonte graham but they've got kyra lewis jr mm-hmm. who has looked really good um and i think you know I, that could be a, a battle for the starting point guard spot like i don't think it's grams to lose necessarily i think that's a battle right there i think kyra could be just as good if not better than graham and i think they're kind of a fun little point guard by committee like neither one of them's probably gonna blow you away next season but i think that's not a bad you know duo in in whatever um, rotational order they end up. So I think Kyra deserves a shout out too. And then of course they still have Nikhil Alexander Walker. They've got a lot of nice players. Um, I think they underachieved massively last year. And I think Stan does deserve a lot of that blame. Um, so I think we're going to see a nice little jump from them and then we'll look back and there's no way we can say they had a bad off season. Um, you know, if they get better and I expect them to get better. So that's kind of my reasoning there. That's fair, well, yeah. I mean, we'll, uh, we'll see, but that's, uh, that's going to be it for us. One thing, though, I um, do want to say. Can I, can I give a, a, a fun fact sure. before we uh, jump in? Just say OKC, the most Sam Presti offseason, lost Schengen, Moses Brown, Al Horford, Kemba Walker walked away. They got Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, Derek Favors, and three fucking first-round picks. <laughs> Shout out to Sam Presti, being Sam Presti, giving away like bizarre old players that he had in, a, in Horford and Kemba getting rid of like a really promising young player like Sengun and then just bringing in more, more young players, more draft picks every year. If Daryl Morey is the stepdad, then Sam Presti is the crazy uncle. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. Oh yeah. Uh, For myself, Brett and Jacob, that's going to do it. We're out. Peace.